Hey, I'm Amy. And I'm Anita. And And we're we're sisters. sisters. For the next 15 minutes, we promise four things. Wisdom, real-life experiences, some of what not to do, and lots of laughs. We aren't experts, and we can't write a prescription, but we've lived a whole lot of life. Together, we've been married a combined total of 46 years to our spouses, raised four amazing young men, and one feisty girl. Help! We love podcasts, but we couldn't find one for our season of life, so we decided to start one. You are listening to the Hot Flash Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. We are so excited today because we are bringing another special guest. Her name is Hunter Cardinal, and she is a certified emotional eating coach. I'm really excited about this. I know. It's going to be awesome. So I'm just going to read her bio to kind of give you an idea of who Hunter is. Um, She's a certified emotional eating coach and works with others to help them find freedom from unwanted eating concerns such as emotional eating, binge eating, overeating, and food and weight obsession. Hunter is also a speaker and loves to teach others by sharing tips and strategies gifted to her over the last 32 years. Hunter personally has struggled with emotional eating and now has a passion to help others like herself to overcome these concerns. And she's a graduate of the Institute of Psychology of Eating and is a certified mind-body eating coach. She's also a wife and a mom of two teenagers and loves inspiring healthy living, exercising, music, and sharing life with family and friends. So, Hunter, welcome. Welcome. We are so, so excited much. that you are joining us. I'm excited to be here. Well, what we love to do is once we have read a formal bio, we love to throw it back in your direction. And in a hot flash, tell us something about Hunter that wasn't in the bio. Well, I've noticed that, um, first of all, I'm, I am in the same stage of life, and um, I am so glad, even though I've been through a lot of pain, I'm so glad that that pain has been turned into purpose, and mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people probably that would want to talk about this subject for hours, just because of everything that I've learned, and I'm, so I'm excited to talk about it. That's Awesome. I love that you were taking what was painful in your past and you have turned it around to help other people. So we love that. Absolutely. It's been a blessing. So with that being said, we're just going to dive right in because when Anita came to me and said, we need to have Hunter on, she deals with emotional eating. And I know what that is in theory, um, but I thought we could just start there. Like what is emotional eating? You know, there are, that's a great question. There's, there are a lot of definitions, but I think that we all, we have to remember that we all emotionally eat, that we actually were created to get comfort from food, like from my mother's milk. And that all emotional eating is not bad. In fact, none of these behaviors are good or bad. But when we learn to go to food um, solely for comfort, or we or excessively for comfort, and it starts becoming problematic because of how it's affecting the rest of our lives, then it can be a problem. So I I say that it's really when you're eating to either um, dull a feeling or intensify a feeling instead of eating for just nutrition. Mm, That's good. So how, so when you talk about emotional eating, how do you kind of 
flip the script for people to take them from, you know, if they are using it to dull or intensify, you know, a feeling, how do they, how do you flip the script on that, Hunter? Well, I will say that I probably won't answer this for many of these questions, but it is a process and it's very individualized. Right. And so what I love about doing one-on-one coaching is we can customize it for whatever the client needs. Right. And so, but one of the first things you can do is to understand maybe how you got there and then also understand what's triggering that. Because a lot of things, if you understand the trigger and you understand why you're doing it, that does help. Um, Now, some people, they do know why and they're still having trouble. So then we look for tips and strategies to help them move out of that habit because it actually can be a habitual behavior and it actually can have, you know, we can link one habit with another. So it could be something that has linked the two together that you didn't even intend for it to happen. And now we have to unlink it. So it really is a process for each person. So what is an example of like unlinking like two habits together? Like what would you, what, what have you seen in some of your clients? Okay, so if you're in a family situation growing up, because I have an example of this for myself, when a family situation growing up that was it was stressful, and you realize that a lot of those stressful situations happened around the dinner table, or and or while you're in the kitchen, because now a lot of times the gathering places is the kitchen, and you found yourself reaching in the refrigerator and getting food when those stressful times came. Well, now it's it's linked because now it's like, well, when I feel stressed, I really would rather be eating than not eating. Like I remember one time we had a family meeting and it was very stressful and I ended up over um, on the other side of the room, you know, just eating cereal. And I, I remember thinking, this is not good. This is not healthy. And because I was older then, but so now I've got to say, okay, when I am stressed, I've got to unlink that. I've got to unlink that comfort that I was finding and that release and release that I was finding in food. And I've got to link it to something else. And so that, again, is not an overnight process, but it is something that can be learned. It amazes me how things like that, um, unlinking and habits and forming new habits, it all goes back to your mind. Yes. It just all starts there. And what it is that you believe about yourself is going to manifest itself. And um, and it can do that through emotional eating. You even talking about that, like I actually last year realized that I was hiding eating candy at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it was, and it could have been, Maybe it was a tougher day or it was just a season that, um, that you know, was, was tough that my family or maybe even with my spouse that, that Tim and I were going through. And I would kind of find, I guess it was comfort then, is like you said, mm-hmm. I would, and but I remember I literally told myself I was, and it, and it was something that God just pointed out to me. And he was like, why are you hiding? Like, if you're hiding this, um, and maybe this is not the same as emotional eating, but I feel like it's connected. Um, if you're hiding it, then that's not healthy. That is such a good point because I actually came up with, a, um, which from, from resources from the past, I came up with a um, what I named the food addiction quiz. But there are several questions on that quiz. 
And the, one of the questions is, are you eating in secret? And would you prefer to eat alone? And so that is one of the things when it's like, hmm, this is something to think about, you know, when we're hiding. And that's one of the, um, the signs of someone maybe developing eating disorder, like a, a young person in the home. Okay. When they don't feel like they can eat in front of other people, they have to hide it. And so that's a, I remember going out to dinner with friends and eating a reasonable dinner, but wanting to get back home when I was single, wanting to get back home so I could eat what I really wanted in, in private. So I hear you on that one. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I myself and um, Hunter and I have chatted before, um, but I, I grew up with the mentality of our mom just wanted us to be healthy. Her intention was super, you know, loving and kind. Right. But what we grew up with was we didn't have the foods that we wanted at home, but our grandmother lived right beside us and kept the road and all the foods, all the foods we wanted. (laughs) So we would leave home and go to mama Max house and she would let us eat whatever we, whatever we wanted and it and i battled that my whole life like just just trying to not make food um I, I don't have and i've and i didn't tell you this hunter when we chatted but like i don't have a alcohol problem i don't have a drug problem but we have to have food and there are times where i feel like food is an addiction as well because mm-hmm. you you have to eat food and you can make it be your comfort. I don't know if I made sense with what I was just saying. That makes perfect sense. And that's that's, that's definitely my situation. I am definitely um, have found that then this is something that's a little bit um, taboo right now to say, but I found that I am a food addict because that is what I've turned to. And I've turned to it for so many different reasons, you know, so I can get triggered. And, and again, it was linked at a young age, but I also feel like I have a mind of an addict. And you were talking about the brain. There's been a lot of a lot of study now with neuroscience and overeating that wasn't there before. And so when we are in that situation where we're wanting to, the brain loves pleasure and the brain loves familiar. Mm-hmm. So it's going to go back to the familiar. Absolutely. So if you, if again, if you have those neuropathways that are set to give that, thrill or that relief when you went to Meemaw's, then, then that's the real thing, you know, so it's not like you're making that up. And so we have to start with that way of thinking and that, uh, you know, changing those neuropathways for a new way of thinking and living that can help you cope with life or just deal with everyday life without going to the food. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What are, what, how does that work then? Like, what what do you teach? What do you, have you learned? You know, um, it, it works. Um, and what can we? What can just, our ladies yeah, take from this? Our, our audience take from you know a couple of tips. And we know it's in, individualized, obviously, because everybody's story is different. But right. What are some things that you see? Um, you know, kind of the same throughout different clients that you deal with that could benefit our audience. Okay, this is sort of like the process that I go through with a client in the sense of, first of all, which obviously has already happened in the case of a client, but you need to talk to someone about it. Mm -hmm. And I just really urge for people to find someone to talk to about it because our secrets can keep us sick. And that the best thing is to reach out for help because this is not like you're the only one. And for some reason, we 
I have this isolator in us that when we're going through something and going through a struggle, we really do think we're the only one. Right. And I, you know, and, and so that's the most important thing, reach out. And then the next thing is to really be willing to acknowledge what's going on and to acknowledge there might have been a source for this, even if it's in the last couple of years or since a big life event, or just because you gradually moved into that habit, you know, acknowledging maybe some of the things that have happened where this, where you are, where you are. And then the next thing is to really delve into yourself of who you are and know yourself. That can mean anything from what temperament you are to um, how you are on, you know, sensitivity and, um, you know, why you could have developed some of these things, but also you know, when, and when it comes to a client relationship, we find out what motivates that client. Like what mm. motivates you? What is worse? Most people come to me and they have tried a lot of different things that have not worked. And, and, you know, this is very, you know, very well known that everybody's pressing buttons on the internet right now to try to find a new program yep. that will either, you know, help them lose weight or help them get in control of their eating. And, and another program may not work because, you're going to do a lot of the same things if you don't start looking at what has, you know, who you are exactly. and your temperament and how you learn and how you're motivated. And so I've, I've really added that step in the last few years and it's helped so much of let's talk about the things that haven't worked because you really know at that point a lot of things that don't. So you know yourself. And then the next step is to look at your triggers. You know, okay, what's triggering me here? It can be feelings it can be people it can be situations it can be that one time a year christmas party it can be the family gathering it can be an event coming up where you've got to wear a certain dress and that puts all sorts of pressure on you and then there there are several steps but then the next one is you need to look at what you're eating and that's a whole nother subject that's kind of obvious you look at what you're eating but you look at your food and say am i getting enough food because a lot of women are not eating enough food they're right. doing the, you know, let me skip the breakfast, have the bar at lunch. And that actually is getting in the way of not only their weight loss, if that's one of their goals, but it's getting the, it's helping their cravings to manifest even greater. And we find when we actually look at the food and make sure that you're getting the nutrition you need and eating foods that are, that help you be full and satisfied and nourished, then that can cut down a lot of cravings. And so those are the first, that's just the first, you know, four steps. And that's before we even start delving into the deeper issues, which is definitely necessary if you want sustainable change. But those are some of the first steps you can do, you know, to really start thinking about. Those were all good. So the first thing that I just wrote down really quick that I I took away from what you said is that our secrets can keep us sick. Like that's huge, Hunter. Mm -hmm. It makes me me sad and sad. So much of what I do now is wanting to be able to um, look away from myself and my own insecurities to be able to share my story because I hurt for people that are, especially during the pandemic, who have been at home and they have really lit into this addiction and that they're dealing with this privately because for many years I didn't understand what my problem was. And I just, I, I really was giving myself some really harsh self-talk. I didn't know what was going on with me. And so that has been one of my biggest messages, especially in the last year of saying, can you please find someone to talk to? If it is not me, find someone to talk to, because I have found even my clients, this has happened with two different clients in the last month. 
where just talking to me and telling me what's going on has almost healed their experience. Right. Like one person, it was like, just as since I told you, it hasn't been as intense. And it's because we have to bring things to the light. Yeah. Because things in the dark can't be dealt with. So as soon as they're brought to the light, they lose their power. Yep. Yeah. And so I think really in confining in someone else and finding someone to talk to is key. That is huge. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, Hunter, and now I'm like, why didn't I ask you this question first? But what is your story? <laughs> I know that's a lo- that's a I'm sure a, a big question, but um, I, yeah, I know that I am. I'm like, so okay, so tell us what your story is. Well, I'm thank you for asking. But I'm I'm a person of many words, as it's probably obvious, and so I'm gonna try to give you the abbreviated version. I've been working on this, trying to make it more abbreviated. <laughs> But I did grow. I did grow up with an unhealthy relationship with food, and I do believe that I um, that some of this can be um, in your family and really a brain thing where you can have a tendency toward addiction. But I remember from a very young age using food um, as a major source of pleasure and comfort, and so I was overweight growing up, and that you know affected me greatly to be obese as a girl and. Um, not that that would be any easy for a, a boy either, but right. it, it really brought on a lot of shame um, and a lot of ridicule. And and when I, I went to Weight Rogers with my mom at a very young age, like 13 or 14, and I remember that. And I became a yo-yo dieter, and I was a very good dieter. So I went through the you know binge restrict cycle and lost um, 30 pounds, gained 35, you know, just went back and for several times before I even was done with college. Right. And I hit my bottom at my senior year in college, but not all the way. The bottom is after that. And I, um, I'm so thankful that I hit my bottom that early because I was able to find help. And when I found people that were like me that could relate to my problem and I knew what my problem was, that started a journey of recovery that has been invaluable and it's not been easy. But it is, I, again, I'm so thankful because I've been working on this now for 32 years. And so I've developed a lot of tips and strategies. And so my passion is to help other people where their their, their path to recovery could be quicker. And that's kind of my quick version of my story. That is um, one of the things that when you say that, like what I think what people and it's no different than um, so the faster way is what, you know, you live now and when we have a coach um chris who we've had her on the um podcast before um we we live that lifestyle and which is just whole foods and making sure you're eating enough but Mm -hmm. one of the things that you said is you know it's it is going to take some time it's not something that typically you can reverse like with one thing you know it's not a one drug wonder there's nothing that's going to flip the script in your head. Um, it, right, Hunter? Right. And, you know, and even that can be encouraging. This is it's a lot easier said than done, I know. But I really get excited about if if people can um, accept that, that there's not going to be another quick fix because, you know, your quick fix has really made you into this, you know, you know, whatever, 10, 20, 30 years of not finding the quick fix. Right. And so if we if we'd really gotten if we delved in the beginning, then even if it's a process and it's not a quick fix, 
you can be moving in the right direction and moving forward where you are moving to the place where you want to be. And it's going to be a lot, quote, quicker if you go ahead and get to the real stuff than if you keep trying to find the quick fix. So it is a process, but you can learn a lot quickly. And I also say that if anyone is in the process of that binge restrict cycle, um, that was my cycle of really binging and then um, really restricting like for days, a very unhealthy cycle. Then if you're in that overeating where you wake up every day and you go, I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it today. And you do, then it is possible to come out of that cycle. I mean, like healing is possible. And you would be surprised how much relief and healing you can get from just 48 hours of getting out of that and healthy eating and support. If you get support and you're working on it, in 48 hours, uh, you can feel so much better about yourself and so much better physically, you know, after you've gone through some of this detox, that it can be, it can, you can get the, you can get the benefits quicker than you think you can. Mm -hmm. It's not just about I'm dieting now and I might be losing weight. The benefits are there if you're willing to do the work. And that's the key. Like if you're willing to do the work, because that's, that's what (laughs) we found across the board in a lot of stuff that we've talked to women about. And even in ourselves, it's like being willing to do the hard work because it's going to take work and it's going to take time. Right. You know, it is, but at the same time, you know, um, what was it someone said? It's like, okay, you know, so I, this is depressing. I'm going to feel deprived or I'm going to feel like I have to sacrifice. But at the same time, if you think about your goals and if one of your goals is um, a healthy life um, later in life when you're your grandmother and you want to get down on, down on the floor with your grandkids right. and you want to get back up with them and you want to go, you know, swim in the pool with them without thinking about your body. And you want to, you know, feel good. It's like, think about goal body, not goal weight, you know. And so it is a sacrifice, but you're making a sacrifice now when you're living with this inner, for some people, this inner torture, but definitely inner, this uncomfortableness that's affecting the rest of your life. And not only that, it's, you know, affecting a lot of your thinking and you're spending a lot of time thinking about it. Then you're making a sacrifice now, you know, you're, you're not going to be, you don't want to, don't you want to be deprived of that stuff? Not just deprived of the food you want. You want to be deprived and make sure that you're being able to walk up the steps and, and feel really good about that and not be gasping for breath. And you want to be going for a walk around the block with your dog and, and being able to engage in, in really good relationships because you've, you've freed up so much of your brain and freed up so much of your life to live the life of the person you want to be. It is hard work, but again, you have no idea how good it can be either. You may not know how, how wonderful and free your life could be to the point where you might want to just try to make that next step. Yeah. So good. I know. I love that. I think that is so true too, because we, um, we can get so stuck. We can just get so stuck Mm -hmm. and you take, and then you can um, become quickly discouraged if you um, fall back into what it is that you've always known. Um, Right. And so putting that goal in front of you, that is a bigger picture. um, 
that definitely has been a pivot that I've made even in the last decade because I turned 50 this year. And from 40 to 50, one of the things that I realized that I wanted personally is what you're talking about. Like I can now envision the the season of when I'm going to have grandchildren because my oldest son got married last year. Mm-hmm. And so that's like so exciting. Um, and then at the same time, I have a 12-year-old daughter who keeps me on my toes, and I want to be able to get out back and play soccer with her, and I want to be able to go to the pool and and take my grandchildren to the zoo and just all those things that you dream about and knowing that being healthy and making wise decisions and not hiding when I'm eating chocolate (laughs) now is going to only benefit me in the future has definitely helped to frame that in a different way. That's so exciting. And it, it is available. You know, what's not available, because one of the things with, my, with most people in this realm of life of wanting to get healthy is perfectionism and really just having to understand that perfectionism is not available. Perfection is not available. And so it's available to be able to take steps towards that kind of living. It's available to everybody and we don't have to do it perfectly. And we will slip back. We will slip back into those those patterns, but we know how to get back out and move move forward. Yeah. And that's okay. It is okay, it is okay. to have to start again. Right. It that is, is okay. It is okay. And it's not a failure. No. I think that's where a lot of, and I know for myself, I've been like, well, I failed at this, so I'm going to fail tomorrow. I'm going to fail the next day, so I might as well just eat this chocolate and just stay where I am. Yeah. Start tomorrow. And, and, and that's where you have to work your mind to go to a different place. Like I saw on your Instagram Hunter, where you just the changing of the word, I can't Mm -hmm. to, I don't. So, you know, I can't have this to, I don't need this. I don't want this because, you know, that's a huge mindset change. And I'm so glad you brought that up because in the podcast that I did yesterday, we were talking about mind ca- mindset, and that's the biggest thing that we have to coach now. We yeah, that's the bigger piece is the mindset. Yeah. Because we do a lot of us have the perfectionism, we have the um, negative self talk, we have you know a lot of history behind what people have you know and and wounds from what people have said to us, and that's another thing. This low hanging fruit is to really start thinking about the words you say to yourself when it comes to food and weight Mm. and how you're talking about your food and weight and how you're having to say, I have to do this or I can't do this or um, I'm bad because I didn't do well today in my my diet. And I'm, you know, well, I had a good day, you know, because I ate well, but I had a bad day and not, and understanding there are no good and bad foods. Just really start being mindful of the words that you say about your food and weight. I love that. I remember when we had uh, Lee Bergen on a couple of months ago, mm. she talked about the mind. Mm. 
Yeah. And the first thing that she said, because we were like, we want arms like you and, <laughs> you know, and, and we want this. And how do we get that? And she just went, the first place that I start is in the mind. I would spend a year in your mind, getting your mind exactly where it needs to be before I ever started you on an exercise program, if I was your trainer. And we just a lot of times don't realize the power that is in our mind. Right. And those things that, what you said, Hunter, that were said to you, even as a child, that right. you may not think that you are dealing with or that you are, um, that have a have a reaction, but maybe subconsciously you really are fighting those things that were said to you, spoken over you, um, and, and how to un- overcome that and speak positive thoughts to yourself versus those things that were said. Yeah, because what, you know, when the beginning stages again with a client, it's like we look at that food to make sure that you're being nourished and eating enough. But after that, it's like we have to get right into that mindset. Mm. And that's your life. It's like that can be the um, best first step you can take is to start working on your mindset because that's going to be there long after um, weight loss. And even if you're looking for weight loss, there's going to be some catch-up available that's really uh, can be difficult there to be emotionally adjusted to where your body is. And the mindset's going to be there long after that. It's, and that can put you back into bad patterns so uh, or poor patterns. And so that's the part that we may be working on. Some of us might be working on that the rest of our lives because, lives because we're so used to thinking in a certain way. Right. Yeah. Well, we are going to put all your information in our show notes so people are able to get in contact with you and go to your Instagram where they can um, take that food addiction quiz that you have in your bio and your Instagram and, you know, see where they are. Um, And we just appreciate you so much coming on, Hunter, and giving us all this wisdom uh, about emotional eating because people don't talk about it, but it is certainly something that so, so many people battle. And we wanted to, like you said, bring it to light to give hope and encourage other people. And we appreciate you um, taking the time to do that with us. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Hold on. Don't go anywhere, Hunter. But we just want everybody to know that you can find us at on Instagram and Facebook at the HFPC. Um, Also, be sure to like our podcast and follow us. Um, Share it. Share it with your friends and review the podcast. I think I got that totally mixed up when I was just saying that. But anyway, we appreciate you guys and we can't wait to talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thank you.